All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Shri Prabhupada Nama Om Vishnaya. Krishna Prasthaya Bhujale Shimati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Jinamani. Namaste Saraswati Deve Goravani Pachani Nivasesa Sanivani Paska Jade Satana. Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Uta Padakamalam Shri Guru and Vaishnavam Shri Rupam Sahajatam Sahagana Ravanatham Vitam Sam Sajivam. Sadvoitam Sadvudutam Parijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Ravita Shri Vishakam Vitam Shri. Vajrakapati Vishaki Vasandavi Vatapti Tanam Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya April 29th, 2015 in Potomac, Maryland Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 89. We're going to read the second half of the introduction and text 1. Oh, could you say it a little slower about the first half? Sorry, Canto 10? Chapter 89. Krishna and Arjuna retrieve a Brahmana's sons. We're going to read the second half of the introduction and then text 1. So the Acharyas comment that this chapter is about who is the Supreme. So it starts off, uh, as was read yesterday in the introduction, about Brigamuni testing Brahma, Shiva, and Vishnu. And then the second part of the chapter is about how Krishna is supreme among all of the Vishnu tattva. And therefore there's a story about Mahavishnu kidnapping the children of the Brahmana in order to see Krishna. In order to see Krishna. So... We're looking at different kinds of supremacy here. The first sort of, sort of supremacy is in tattva, and the second sort of supremacy is in rasa, or attractiveness. So we're just going to read the introduction about that part of the story dealing with Mahavishnu and Krishna. Once in Dwaraka, Brahmana's wife gave birth to a son who immediately died. The Brahmana took his dead son to the court of King Ugrasena and berated the king, quote, this duplicitous, greedy enemy of Brahmanas has caused my son's death by failing to execute his duties properly. Unquote. The same misfortune continued to befall the Brahmana, and each time he would bring his dead infant's body to the royal court and berate the king. When the ninth, ninth son died at birth, Arjuna happened to hear the Brahmana's complaint, and he said, quote, My lord, I will protect your progeny, and if I fail, I will enter fire to atone for my sin. Sometime later, the Brahmana's wife was about to give birth for the tenth time. When Arjuna learned of this, he went to the maternity house and enveloped it with a protective cage of arrows. Arjuna's efforts were to no avail, however, for as soon as the child was born and began to cry, it disappeared into the sky. As the Brahmana profusely derided Arjuna, 
The warriors set off for the abode of Yamaraja, the king of death. But Arjuna did not find the Brahmana's son there. And even after searching throughout the 14 worlds, he could find no trace of the infant. Having failed to protect the Brahmana's son, Arjuna was now intent on committing suicide by entering the sacred fire. But just as he was about to do so, Lord Krishna stopped him and said, I will show you the Brahmana's son. So please don't despise yourself like this. Lord Krishna then took Arjuna onto his transcendental chariot, and the two of them crossed over the seven universal islands with their seven oceans, passed over the Lokaloka mountain range, and entered the region of dense darkness. Since the horses could not find their way, Krishna sent his blazing Sudarshana disk ahead to pierce the gloom. Gradually they came to the water of the causal ocean, within which they found the city of Lord Mahavishnu. There they saw the thousand-hooded serpent Ananta, and upon him lay Mahavishnu. The great Lord greeted Sri Krishna Arjuna, saying, I brought the Brahmana's sons here simply because I wanted to see the two of you. Please continue to benefit the people in general by exemplifying religious behavior in your forms of Narayan Rishi. Lord Krishna and Arjuna then took the Brahmana's sons, went back to Dwarka, and returned the infants to their father. Having directly experienced the greatness of Sri Krishna, Arjuna was amazed. He concluded that only by the Lord's mercy can a living being exhibit any power or opulence. Do we have the verse? We don't have the verse up, huh? No. Usually have electronic. Okay. So reading now text one, which is going back to the first story in this chapter about uh, Brigumuni. So, what should I do? You don't have the verse. Just read it once. Or maybe you can try. It's sure, we can try. Shri Sukha Uvacha. Sarvas. Sarvas Vatyas Tate Rajan. Rishaya Satram Asata. Vitarka Samabhut Tesham. Trisvadishu Komahan. Trisadishu Komahan. Anyone have the verse? Shri Sukhu Vacha. Sarasvatyas Tate Rajan. Vishaya Satramasata. Vitarka Samabhutesham. Trishvaditeshukomahan. Shri Sugu Vacha. Sri Sukha Uvacha Sukadev Goswami said Saras Vatyaha of the river Saraswati Tate on the bank Rajan O King Pariket Rishaya, sages, satram, a Vedic sacrifice, asata, were performing, vitarkaha, a disagreement, samabhut, arose, tesham, among them, trishu, among the three, 
Arisheshu, Chief Lords, Kaha, Hu, Mahan, the greatest. Translation and purport. Sukadev Goswami said, Once, O king, as a group of sages were performing a Vedic sacrifice on the banks of the Sarasvati River, a controversy arose among them as to which of the three chief deities is supreme. Purport. The three chief deities mentioned here are Lord Vishnu, Lord Brahma, and Lord Shiva. Shri Sukhu Uvacha, Sarasvatyas, Tatejrajam, Rishaya, Satram Asata, Vitarka, Samabhutesham, Trisvadi, Sheshukomahan. Sukadev Goswami said, Once, O king, as a group of sages were performing a Vedic sacrifice on the banks of the Sarasvati River, a controversy arose among them as to which of the three chief deities is supreme. So you need to have a goal, right? First thing, if you have any endeavor, any work, is you have to have a goal. Where are you going? They say if you don't know where you're going, you probably won't get there. You have to be able to define what is success, What is your success criteria? I mean, how do you know when you've achieved success if you don't know what success looks like? Just like, we have to say frankly that in most of the religions, philosophies of the world today, they're very unclear about what is the goal. They're not not clear. I was meeting with a rabbi recently near Denver, and it was interesting. He was saying, oh, actually Judaism also teaches reincarnation. But... It was, it was not so clear. It was not so clear. He said, we even say that uh, one can become an animal soul. Not an animal's soul, but an animal soul. So I could understand that although he accepted reincarnation, he was unclear about who or what was reincarnating. What did it mean? And then I asked him, he was a very friendly uh, gentleman, very open to devotees, although he was an orthodox rabbi. Uh, I said, so what is perfection? He said, well, perfection is you just try to make the world a better place. Do what you can to make the world a better place. I said, what is personal perfection? And he was quiet for a while, and then he said, well, what do you say? <laughs> so I said, we say perfection is you realize your eternal identity, and you join with God, personal God, in a loving relationship in his abode. And he said, well, I I said, and you stop reincarnating. He said, well, we also say perfection is you stop reincarnating and then you just uh, hang out with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Sarah and Leah and you talk about the scriptures. And I thought, well, that's very vague. His his idea of perfection was very vague. I I remember when I was first distributing Srila Prabhupada's books in O'Hare Airport. And I met some Christians. I don't remember which denomination they were from. And I asked them also, what is your idea of perfection? And they said, well, we go to heaven. I said, what will you do there? And they put their nose up in the air and they said, exactly what we are doing now. And I said, oh, will you watch television there? And they didn't know what to say. <laughs> so, you know, this, if you don't know where you're going, it's very hard to get there. This is, I see, why... I was just hearing Prabhupada say this morning how many of these impersonalists, they say they want to realize Brahmana, Brahmana, Brahman, not Brahmana, Brahman, and then they and come back to the material sphere and open schools and hospitals. It says if they say the material world is false, why are they engaged in material activities? 
of any kind. If the material world is false and they're experiencing the happiness of Brahman, then they should not do anything in the material world. They should just sit in a cave, you know, chanting Omkara. And we see also that among the religious philosophers of the world today, they talk about loving God, but without a clear conception of who God is, they end up just working materially. They end up just doing ordinary material charity work. Of course, Prabhupada does say in the Ishopanishad that anything done in a God-centered way is also Krishna consciousness. And he says in the first canto that any endeavor to please Krishna is also Hari Kirtan. But we find these people don't have a concept of pleasing God because they don't know who is God. They're, they're very confused about who is God. So here we see that even these rishis, they're confused about who is God. Right? They're having a sacrifice, presumably according to the Vedas. Presumably it's not some mode of ignorance thing where they're just making it up, but they're following the Vedas, they're having a sacrifice, and they start arguing about who they're supposed to be sacrificing for. What's the goal? So the first thing we learn from this is that rishis argue. You know, sometimes we expect that when we come to the Hare Krishna movement that everybody's going to agree about everything. And that if everybody doesn't agree about everything, it can't be a valid, bona fide movement. But here we see these rishis performing a Vedic sacrifice. And these weren't ordinary rishis if Brigu Muni was there. Doesn't even sound like this was on the earth planet. You know, so this is on higher planets with highly qualified people. Brigu Muni is, you know, other than Lord Brahma, he's the chief of the Brahmins in the universe. And still, they can't figure out what is their goal and who is supreme. We have also earlier in the Bhagavatam Atri Muni who couldn't figure out what, who was supreme. And interestingly enough, even in the spiritual world, there's controversy. Did you know that? So in the Brihad Bhagavatamrita, Gopakumar goes to Vaikuntha and he runs up to Lord Vishnu and he says, Hey, Gopal! Now, you know, we in the Hare Krishna movement, we're accustomed to thinking of Gopal as a name for Krishna and therefore we see it as something that's reverential. But it means, oh, cowherding boy. You know, it's like, I, I think like we say, oh, you're a shepherd. You're a village boy. You're just a village boy. You know, if you, if you go to somebody, you go to, you know, Bill Gates or Donald Trump or something like that, you say, hey, village boy. So they'd be insulted, yes? You know, President Obama, hi, village boy. So the residents of Vaikuntha, they said, this is not proper. You're not supposed to call the Lord of Vaikuntha, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. You're not supposed to call him, hey, cowherd. I said, well, it's true. Sometimes he appears as a cowherd in order to kill the demons. He takes the guise of a cowherd to kill the demons. But, you know, we don't refer to him like that. And then some of the other residents of Vaikuntha, they argued and they said, no, you can call the Lord by the names of any of his incarnations. It's all valid. So the Gopal group won, and uh, Gopakumar was able to call the Lord Gopal. But I found several interesting things in this particular story that Sanatana Goswami tells. One was that there was a controversy at all in Vaikuntha. And the other was that the residents of Vaikuntha, even those who agreed to call the Lord Gopal, they saw Vishnu as superior to Krishna. They did not see Krishna as a supreme. We find also, before Gopakumar goes to the spiritual world, and he's asking the personified Shastras, he's asking the personified Shastras, 
who, by the way, are all female, which I also thought was interesting. They're all goddesses. So he's asking them, what's the process to attain the Brahman? Because he's in Brahmaloka and he's told about the impersonal Brahman. And they're arguing. They're saying you should do austerity, you should cultivate knowledge. And then some of them say you should do bhakti, and they have a whole discussion. And the bhakti group ends up winning. There's also a, a controversy between Pipalai and Amuni, right? And some other sages where some of them are saying you should perform kirtan, and some of them are saying you should do meditation. So we see these sort of controversies in the goal, in the method, even among great rishis. So I think it was uh, Trey Rishi Prabhu who wrote to Srila Prabhupada saying the difference of opinion in our movement was due to impersonalism. And Prabhupada says, no, it's due to personalism. He said, when you have different persons, there must be different opinions. He said, what is the meaning otherwise to there being different persons? You know, what do we mean by personality? So I've heard one, uh, how shall we say, one, uh, one teacher of Vaishnava philosophy who says that we don't have an ultimate personality. He says, we don't have any inherent personality. We don't have any inherent nature. And so you wonder, what, is this, what does this preacher mean by personality? Does he simply mean that we're geographically separate? You know, that each jiva soul has some space between themselves and the other jiva souls, although we are all exactly of the same nature? But there's no time and space in the spiritual realm. So what would that mean? But personality means that we have a particular nature. We have particular opinions in relationship to Krishna. The difference, main difference, main difference between our material temporary personalities and our spiritual personality is that our material personality is not in relation to Krishna. It's in relation to the family in which this body took birth, the country in which this body took birth, the particular psychology that I've developed over many, many lifetimes of my karma and so forth, my association. Whereas my spiritual personality is who I am. And that personality has, among other things, opinions, which are different from others. Opinions about what is nice, what is not nice. Just like the different residents of Vrindavan, some of them like certain food more than others. It says that Krishna puts on each cowherd boy's plate what they especially like to eat. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, also he would serve each devotee what they especially like to eat. That means they have opinions. I remember being at a festival one time and saying to a devotee, oh, this prasadam is wonderful. And she said, all prasadam is wonderful, Prabhu. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there are different opinions, right? There are even different opinions in Vrindavan about how to serve Krishna the best. Even among the gopis, even among the highest gopis, there's different opinions. Rupa Goswami explains this nicely in Ujjwalani Lamani. And they, they're very strongly held opinions. They're not wishy-washy about it. You know, so Radharani thinks that Chandravali doesn't know how to please Krishna nicely. And Chandravali thinks that Radharani doesn't know how to please Krishna nicely. And they're, they're very strongly opinionated. It, it's, it's an intense competition. It's not just some, oh, well, you know, live and let live. They have their way. We have our way. No, it's not like that. Each group is trying to get Krishna into their party uh, so that they can make him the happiest. They're saying Krishna is only happy the way we want to serve him. No, Krishna is only happy the way we want to serve him. And why are the residents of Vrindavan trying to get Krishna back from Mathura? Because they say, oh, Krishna is happier here. 
He'll be happier in, in the way that we want to serve him. So this is going on in the ultimate reality that there's disagreements. Uh, the difference, of course, between the disagreements among pure personalities and the different disagreements among impure personalities is, first of all, that they are Krishna-centered. They are centered around pleasing Krishna. Prabhupada talks about you have different political parties, but they both want to serve the country. And the other thing is that there's no envy, there's no malice. There's no malice. If Krishna is pleased, uh, even by somebody with another opinion, then everybody becomes happy. Everybody becomes happy. They're, they're, they're in, in one sense, they even push each other forward <laughs> in order to please Krishna. There's no malice. There's no wanting to take something away from somebody else. So how do we settle our differences of opinion? Well, first of all, we cannot absolutely settle our differences of opinion. Because we are personalities and individuals, we will not all agree about everything. Ever. Even in our perfected state. So thinking that the way we're going to have harmony and the way we're going to have peace and the way we're all going to love each other is if everybody has exactly the same opinion about everything is doomed to failure. It's doomed to frustration. We'll be beating our heads against the wall. Having a very personalistic philosophy means that that is not possible. However, we want to settle differences of opinion when it comes to ultimate siddhanta. Now you could say even that seems to be difficult when the residents of Vaikuntha think that Vishnu is superior to Krishna. But at least preaching Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement, even if there's some member of our movement who would prefer to go to Vaikuntha. And I've met at least one devotee like that. I've also met some devotees who prefer to go to Dwarka. They're not interested in Vrindavan. I've met several devotees. They say, I don't want to go to Vrindavan. I want to go to Dwarka. But still, in our preaching in the Hare Krishna movement, we are preaching Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching. Does that make sense to everybody? So even if somebody personally feels that they're much more attracted to Narayana than to Krishna, or if something like Prabhupada writes in the Bhagavad Gita, you can fix your mind on any form of Vishnu. He says, better to fix your mind on Krishna, the ultimate form. But you can fix your mind on any form of Vishnu. So if somebody's more attracted that way, or even in Vrindavan, I mean, some people are going to want to be Krishna's servants. Not everybody is is going to be a gopi. You know, I I remember one uh, devotee many, many years ago giving a class about, you know, everybody should want to be gopis, but not everybody is a gopi. But still we're going to preach, well, the love of the gopis is the highest. The love of the gopis in Vrindavan is the highest. So what do we do when we have these disagreements? Well, one of our big problems is differentiating between what are our different personal opinions within the Siddhanta, and what is the Siddhanta? It's a huge problem, and and I think that, in my uh, humble opinion, in my experience in the Hare Krishna movement, in my study of sociology of religions, I'd say the main reason we fight is we're really fighting over what's a principle and what's a detail. That's mostly what we fight over. That one person's principles, the other person's detail, and vice versa. And what we call conservative and liberal, the conservatives are simply people who think that most things are principles, and the liberals are people who think that most things are details. And this is basically what we come down to. But therefore, Prabhupada told Burajan Prabhu, it requires some intelligence to know what is a principle that can't be changed, and what is a detail that not only can be changed, but must be changed according to time, place, and circumstance. So these are the things that we need to agree on in our Hare Krishna movement. So how are we going to settle this? How are we going to know 
what are the Siddhantic principles that can't be changed? Well, you could say, we could look at the Shastra. And that's a valid answer. It's definitely a valid answer. Or you could look at Srila Prabhupada's commentary on the Shastra, because as Srila Prabhupada is our founder, Acharya, how Srila Prabhupada explains the Shastra to us is our ultimate Siddhanta. But we're going to have a problem there. How do we know we're going to have a problem? Well, look at this evidence. You have these rishis doing a Vedic sacrifice on a higher planet. And they still had their disagreement about who is supreme. The Christians like to say the devil can quote scripture. And Prabhupada would also say that. The devil can quote scripture. Just like, do we have verses in our Srimad Bhagavatam that say that Lord Shiva is supreme? Do we? I'm asking you, do we? Oh, no, in Bhagavatam. Where? What canto? Yes, when Lord Shiva drinks the ocean of poison, the demigods pray to him, and they, the prayers they say to him establish him as supreme. They pray to him as if he's Vishnu. What about Lord Brahma? Do we have sections of our Bhagavatam that put forward Lord Brahma as supreme? Yes. Yes, Hiranyakashipu is praying to Lord Brahma as supreme. Right? And then we, of course, uh, have sections worshipping Vishnu as the ultimate. So even in our Bhagavatam, it's going to be confusing. Isn't that correct? And you can say, well, we have Prabhupada's purports. Well, I was just saying Prabhupada has a purport. He has it in the Bhagavad Gita. I think it's in the 8th chapter. Where he says one can fix one's mind on any form of Vishnu, any Vishnu tattva. But then, I think it's in 1865 in the purport, Prabhupada says, don't divert your attention to any form of the Lord except for Krishna. So I was explaining to one devotee that these two purports, uh, if you take the literal meaning of the English words, they're... They can't be reconciled. So one devotee was saying, well, we follow everything Prabhupada says literally. I said, it's impossible. You can't. Like we're coming up to Nisinga Chaturjasi. If you took that purport where Prabhupada said, do not divert your attention to any form of the Lord like Nisinga Varaha, we wouldn't be able to celebrate Nisinga Chaturjasi. If you took that as, as literal, the way it's stated in English. And it would nullify the other purport. One of those purports cancels the other one out. How are you going to understand? How are you going to follow both purports? You have to end up having some sort of interpretation. You have to have some sort of contextualization. Or when Krishna says to Arjuna, for those who have been honored, dishonor is worse than death. And then he says to Arjuna, fight without considering honor or dishonor. How are you going to do both of those? How are you going to consider dishonor is worse than death and not care at all about dishonor at the same time? What do you do? You have to take the scripture and put, say, okay, well, what's the context of this? Well, what about when Krishna is talking to... Who does Krishna talk to that he gives a very different philosophy which we don't follow? Um, as a boy, we his father. Yeah, Krishna talks to Nanda Maharaj and he's giving instructions. Do we follow those instructions? No. no. Are there some instructions Krishna gives in the Bhagavad Gita that we do not follow? Yeah. How many of us do that? Where's our kushagrass mats? <coughs> How many of you stare at the tip of your nose when you chant japa? 
So there's an instruction by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. It's the words of God. But we're not following it. So this is the problem when you just take the scripture. What do you do? Which instruction do you follow in which context? And, and even Srila Prabhupada, he would give different instructions to different people at different places and times. How do you know whether, whether it's an individual instruction? Like when I was in Alachua, one of the devotees said, well, Srila Prabhupada told Swavas Prabhu, if you want to distribute more books, you have to chant all your 16 rounds at one time. So everybody should do this. And I said, Prabhu, if you have a one-year-old baby or a three-month-old baby, you're not chanting 16 rounds at one time, unless your baby's sleeping. It's just not possible. You're not going to be able to do it. So it must be, I said, this must be a contextual instruction. I said, and Prabhupada himself told Shruti Kirti that when he was a householder, he chanted four rounds, four rounds, four rounds, four rounds. So these rishis were not able to sell, settle their difficulty in that way. We have Atrimuni also. <laughs> but what did Atrimuni do? Atrimuni, he didn't try to settle his problem. He engaged in what we, what we teach as a logical fallacy of called fence-sitting, where you just say, I'm not going to decide. So Atrimuni just said, I'm not going to decide. I'm just going to pray to the Lord of the universe and whoever shows up. So... Nobody knew who he was talking to, and all three of them showed up. And here they're talking about the three. They all three showed up. It's interesting, when Gajendra was praying, it says only Lord Vishnu came, because the other demigods uh, and Brahma and Shiva understood he's not talking to us. Even though he doesn't mention Vishnu by name, they could still understand, oh, he's not talking to us. So it's very interesting how they decided to settle their difficulty here. And a very interesting technique they said, we're going, we're going to find from the scriptures what is the criteria for greatness, and we're going to do our own empiric investigation based on that criteria. Fascinating, isn't it? He said, we're taking, a, our criteria comes from the Shastra, that the mode of goodness is supreme. And there are certain behaviors of people in the mode of goodness. And there's a transcendental state above goodness. And there's, certain, there's an evidence procedure for greatness. And then we're going to test. Now we learn a number of things from this. We, num- we learn that disagreements can be settled in different ways. There's not only one way to settle disagreements. I mean, the first thing we learn, we already discussed, that disagreements are inevitable everywhere. We're not going to come to any point where everybody agrees about everything. That's just simply not going to happen. And there's different ways of settling disagreements. One can settle disagreements if everybody agrees on the same Shastric authority and everybody agrees on the same understanding of Shastric authority or everyone agrees on the same understanding of the authority of the sadhus or gurus. You could settle things that way, but obviously they didn't, although that's not explicitly stated here. That would have been the first way of trying to settle a difficulty, yes? Just like in our Hare Krishna movement, you know, I'm on the Shastric Advisory Council at the present time, unfortunately, on the chair. So when the GBC have a problem, you know, they may ask us for a solution. And we research the Shastras and what Prabhupada says, we give them our research, but sometimes that's not enough. They have the research, they have the quotes, and they still disagree. You follow? It's just not sufficient. So that's one way of settling difficulties. Another way, which our Brajabi Hari Guru 
is very familiar with is mediation. And that also goes on in the Shastra. You have Krishna who tried unsuccessfully, interestingly enough, to mediate the Kurukshetra war. We have a mediation that was going on among these residents of Aikunta and among the Shastras in the Brihad Bhagavatamrita. So sometimes there can be some kind of a mediation. And here there's a test. Here there's a test. I mean, what I find fascinating about this is that generally we really uh, denigrate empiric research methods. And Srila Prabhupada will say, you don't need to research who is God. It's already in the scriptures. He says that frequently. You don't need to do a research method to find out who is God. But this is exactly what they're doing. They're doing a scientific, empirical research test. Just like if you took different you know, material substances and you were testing them to see what kind of qualities they have. So here they're taking persons and testing them to see what kind of qualities they have. Uh, quite interesting. Of course, this sort of empiric testing is something we are enjoined to do. Also, if we follow the Shastras, the Shastras tell us to do this sort of testing. Who are we supposed to test in this way? The spiritual master. The spiritual master, yes. It's actually a requirement that one should spend at least how much time? At least one year. Where else is this empiric testing supposed to go on? So the disciple is supposed to test the guru for a year. Guru tests the disciple for a year. Not by kicking them, please. Okay. Who else, where else are we supposed to test? Prasadam. We're supposed to test the prasadam. Okay. Test the process. Huh? Test the process. Test the process. Yes, we're supposed to test the process. Yes, we also often talk about we have a scientific process. Where else are we supposed to test like this? Test our own level of advancement. Definitely. We're supposed to apply these tests to ourselves. Now, we got rather strange if we tried to kick ourselves in the chest. So I don't think that's exactly the method. But there is a method to test ourselves according to these uh, objective criteria. Prabhupada says you should test how well you're making advancement. He said you don't need a certificate from others. Who else do we test? Others who are underestimating change. Okay, we might, we're going to be testing our subordinates. Uh, in, that play, in that case, we're acting in roles more or less of guru. Nectar of Instruction, text 5. Who to associate with? Yes, how are we? You can't apply Rupa Goswami's instruction, or Narada Muni gives a similar instruction in the fourth canto to Dhruva Maharaj, unless you know who you're dealing with. You can't act one way with superiors, one way with equals, and one way with uh, subordinates, unless, first of all, you know yourself, and second of all, you know them. Although you can't apply that instruction, correct? So there's some testing going on, there's some empirical testing that you're taking the criteria given from the Shastra and you're measuring yourself against that criteria. You're measuring others against that criteria in order to choose a guru, in order for the guru to choose a disciple, 
in order to decide with whom I should associate and how I should associate with him. Prabhupada talks about the Majjhima Bhakta also has four categories. There's God that I try to love, the devotees I, I try to make friends with, the innocent I try to teach, and the atheists who I try to avoid. And that means you have to discriminate who's an atheist, who's an innocent. So in order to do this, we need to know the evidence criteria. So here, Brigamuni and the sages, they knew the, what's the evidence criteria for who's God? Like Prabhupada said, if you want to buy gold, but you don't know what gold is, how you're going to get cheated. So we have to know who is God. Hmm? And we have to know who is a devotee. And we have to know what are the symptoms of an advanced devotee. Otherwise, we become cheated. So we are enjoined to apply this method. Now, we could say that not everyone's going to agree. In other words, I may apply the Shastra criteria in my association with people, and I may decide that, you know, so-and-so, Krishna Das, Krishna Dasi, is a highly advanced Uttama Bhakti, and you may look at Krishna Dasi and say, no, she's not. Yes? We're not all going to agree on this. Each of us also has to, I mean, this is again true even in the spiritual realm. So each of us also has our personal relationships. So although there's an objective criteria we still have to apply them in a personal way. So it, 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 it's incumbent upon us to know what are the criteria. How do we know who is God? What are the symptoms of advancement in devotional service? Uh, therefore, we can also evaluate ourselves. Where am I? How am I going to progress? And we can associate appropriately. So hopefully this was a sufficiently controversial class. Any questions or comments? <laughs> class about controversies. Frederick B. Hargu should have definitely given this class. Questions, comments, corrections, chastisements, additions, subtractions? Yes, you have bring up a controversial situation. Yes. Um, in our prayer, or many times like Tulsi prayer also, sometimes we use Vishnu and Krishna. Exchange. Mm. Is it an offense or acceptable according to I'm you? sure whether you say Vishnu Bhakti or Krishna Bhakti in the Tulsi prayers, it's not an offense. I mean, Prabhupada, at least I think in letters, he said Vishnu Bhakti. But you see sometimes it's Krishna Bhakti. Even some of the uh, verses in the Bhagavatam have alternate readings. There's different versions of the Bhagavatam that have alternate readings, and the Acharyas will sometimes say in some versions of the Bhagavatam, this word is used instead of this word. Yes. You mentioned that in the, in the Shastra Advisory Committee, sometimes you get research for GDC, it's not enough. Have they explained why they don't, you know, don't accept it? Uh, that's a good question. Well, it's easy. Uh, they didn't get the answer they wanted. They didn't get the answer they wanted. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Krishna. Anybody else? <laughs> Yes. Okay, yes? Well, no, but if you, if you really want to answer that more, a little more seriously, slightly more. That was um, actually a pretty serious answer. Yeah, well, to, to elaborate on I would say, and to be more fair, um, 
that the Shastric advice, you know, they're, they're meant to be Brahminical and just look at things kind of Brahminically. And I think the Jyotis, because they also have managerial responsibilities and how, how the Shastra then, or the conclusions are then applied in the real, this kind of world, they, they, there's some hesitancy sometimes that, you know, how is this going to actually play out in, in real time? And I think that's, that's what you sometimes see. Yeah, because the, the reality is that when we are contaminated, we don't, like Prabhupada said, a pure devotee, they just repeat the Shastra without change. They don't have any vested interest. But unfortunately, when we have vested personal interests, uh, even though we theoretically accept Srila Prabhupada and theoretically accept the Shastra, there are certain things we won't accept when they interfere with our vested interests. And I think the GBC realized that they're working in a society that people have vested interests. And if those vested interests are very, very strong, then it may be difficult to just say, well, this is what Prabhupada said, everybody should do it. And this is what the Shastra said. Even when Srila Prabhupada was personally on the planet, we had this problem. You know, that Srila Prabhupada would, some, would give some instructions, and people just wouldn't follow it, because it contradicted with something that they want. And this is, you know, the GBC has a responsibility to keep a unified society. It's, it's one of their responsibilities, so they have to be very careful I think that's a very good point, Raj Bihari, we made. I'm not sure if we have time, but you can try, Prabhu, probably up like two minutes. Yes? You mentioned that uh, on the spiritual level, the disagreements have you know, two characters. Well, they're Krishna-centered, and they don't have envy. Correct. And it seems like, you know, in, in our society, we tend to oftentimes demonize the other party. Things get quite heated. It seems that if we could dial that down a little bit, our disagreements might be less diverse. That, that's a wonderful point. And this really means for us getting rid of our envy. It really means cleaning our heart and not having envy and, and um, saying how wonderful it is that everybody wants to serve Krishna, even though there may be some differences in opinions of how to do that. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai.